Welcome to Birth Mothers Amplified, giving a voice to the women behind adoption. Hosted by Emma and Mathani. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Birth Mothers Amplified. I am your host, Mathani. And I'm Emma. And this week, we're joined by the amazing Courtney Cook. Some of the topics we'll be kind of going over in her story are events that lead to an unplanned pregnancy, the importance of worth, and having unsupportive family during pregnancy and during the adoption journey. Yes, yes. And to give a background on Courtney, she is an educator, a writer, an award-winning storyteller. So cool. She is a 20 years post-placement and she has her master's in education, a BA in psychology, and she is an ice cream connoisseur. What's your favorite flavor? Okay, so it depends on the brand. Okay, so if we're talking (laughs) Ben and Jerry's, it's chocolate chip cookie dough with strawberry um, cheesecake on top. If okay. we're talking Haagen-Dazs, it's Caramel Cone and Rocky Road. If we're talking Jenny's, which is the local ice cream place around here, they have a sweet potato and toasted marshmallow during oh. the fall season. So yeah, it just, it really depends. Okay. You know, I have options for Cold Stone and Brewster's and, you know. <laughs> You're a connoisseur. I'm a connoisseur. It oh depends. my gosh. I had this like urgency when you were on the second one to like get a pencil and like <laughs> write it down. I'll we can totally talk. We can back. chat. We can yeah. chat. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then my favorite thing that you said about yourself was you are a Georgia peach. Yo. I love it. <laughs> I, love I love it. it. So Courtney, yes. let's go ahead and jump into your story. All right. So I am going to start before the pregnancy a little bit. I was raised by a single parent and that parent didn't really like me. Um, Like it would actually come out their mouth that they did not like me. Um, And the other Mm -hmm. parent wanted nothing to do with me. Growing up in an atmosphere of feeling unloved and unworthy, I started to make some decisions that weren't so great because I was so wanting to be loved and I would do anything to be loved. And so in my mind, my little teenage mind, sex and love were the same thing. So if I have sex with this man, then he will love me. After a few years of that, I got pregnant. (laughs) It was definitely not planned, definitely not intentional, definitely took all the precautions that I thought I was supposed to take. Ended up waking up about two weeks after sleeping with a guy two weeks, I literally woke up in bed, sat up and said, oh my God, I'm pregnant. I had no symptoms. I had not taken any tests. I literally just knew that my life is going to change. Wow. Um, Yeah. So I probably waited a few weeks just to like wrap my mind around it before I reached out to the father. It's funny now. It was not funny back then. Um, But the term (laughs) ghosting was created just for moi. This was, this was, you know, 20 plus years ago, guys. So things were a little different. I called and told him about the pregnancy and every woman has three options across the board. And I guess he didn't like hearing the three options. I don't know, he hung up on me. I was like, well, let me give him a little bit of time to calm down. Cause this is a huge thing to hear. Of course. You know, Cause I'm considerate that way, right? <laughs> um, so about 
about a week or so, I call back. I know the phones don't do it now because we have cell phones, but back then, regular phones would do this little the number you have dialed has been disconnected. So I'm like, okay, well, let me page him because back then, pagers, beepers were a thing. Hit me on my hip, you know. Y- y'all are too young. It's fine. Um, <laughs> no, I remember. <laughs> Vaguely. So I paged him. No, he changed his pager number. At the time, I did not have a car. I either took the bu- bus or like a cab places. So I call a cab. I'm like, let me go to this dude's house because this is ridiculous. And y'all, the dude had moved, okay? He had moved. So if you look up the definition of ghosting and like where it came from, there's a picture of me when I was 17. Okay. So no. From that experience, I knew like, all right, Courtney, you got to figure this out on your mm. own. Cause clearly you don't have the father to help you with the situation, even though he was older, like you would think, but you know, it's fine. It's fine. As I said earlier, you know, no, the relationship with the parent that I was living with, with was not a good place. So I already knew that also was not going to be an option as far as help. Um, Did they know? No, I actually hid my pregnancy for several reasons. One being shame and embarrassment. And two, because I knew that they would choose abortion. There's no judgment on anybody that has had an abortion or, you know, I knew at 17 years old that that was something I did not want for my Mm -hmm. life. And so I I hit my pregnancy for as long as I could. I was probably about six and a half, seven months pregnant before I told the parent I was living with. And they still took me to an abortion clinic. Um, And of course they were like, please leave. (laughs) We cannot help you. But before, you know, before I was telling anybody, I was like, all right, well, what are you, how are you going to handle this? You don't want an abortion. You're working part-time, going to school in curricul- you know, extracurricular activities, and you're barely able to afford your school supplies and your choir dress and your theater clothes. You know, you can mm-hmm. barely afford this. You can't afford a child. Children are expensive. Love doesn't buy diapers. You know, I can love this child with my whole heart, but that doesn't take care of the child. And so I knew in my heart that adoption was my number number one option. And so, oh, I'm a rapper. Adoption is my number one option. Yes. Like, okay. Did you already know about adoption? What I knew about adoption was like Lifetime movies. Um, I didn't know anybody that was adopted, that, you know, that I knew of. I, you know, hadn't heard any personal stories. It literally was just like a Lifetime movie or after school special that I had seen where right. like they snatch the baby. You don't know if the baby's a girl or a boy. You don't know the baby's name and you never hear, hear him again. And then you're like 72 years old and on your deathbed, this child, you know, walks up. I'm your long lost. That's what I knew about adoption. Um, <laughs> and so back then there was no Google. So I actually had to use the yellow pages open up this big old book and go down the list adoption agencies. And I found one that was on like a bus line because once again, I didn't have a car. So I called, made an appointment and I talked this woman's ears off for hours, just asking questions Mm. because, you know, again, I wasn't familiar with adoption in the real world. 
And thankfully, my, my adoption worker was so kind and so gracious and so willing to answer my questions. I mean, we're still Facebook friends to this day. I mean, she's a beautiful soul. And she, mm. there was no pressure at all from her end. It wasn't a, oh, you came to see me. You better give me your child. Like, no, right. it was, this is what it's like. It's going to be emotional. It's going to be hard. Here's the information so you can make the best decision for you. From the bat, adoption was my top tier. And after talking to her, it was just like, yeah, this is what I want. So the first session was literally just me asking questions. The next time I came back, we started talking about families. Like she literally was like, well, what do you want in a family? And I'm like, I want them to be adventurous and attractive and smart. And I want them to love each other. And I want them to be doing things and going places. I mean, like literally just kind of a list Mm -hmm. because at the time I didn't know I was worthy. Like my self-esteem was trash at the time. And so I'm like looking for this family that's going to be worthy enough to, to raise my child. She took that information. Um, I think it's a little bit different now. I think it might be digital now, the potential parents, but back then it literally was a notebook that potential adoptive parents put together. It has letters and pictures and just information about them so that the birth mom can kind of make a decision. So probably my third or fourth time visiting the agency, she gave me notebooks and it was all, all black families. Um, So back then I know that transracial adoption, you know, that's like a thing, but back then literally the agency was like, we want your child to be in a home where he doesn't look different, where he won't be ridiculed, you know, off the bat for being adopted. And so they literally gave me all families that look like me, you know, look like me. You know, I'm reading these notebooks like, okay, okay, they look okay. And you know, blah, blah, blah. When I was in high school, I had a thing with stuffed animals, like going to Six Flags and winning them or going to the store or going to the Cabbage Patch um, nursery, like I just loved stuffed animals. And so I get to this notebook and I open it up and the letter from the birth parents to the birth mom is on stationery and all the edges are teddy bears. And I was like, yep, this is them. Like, this is them. I don't need to know anything else. Um, And of course I actually read through it, um, but the teddy bears were literally stopped me in my tracks. I still have like, She's written me letters over the years with that teddy bear stationery, and I still hold it dear. But yeah, and when I say she, I meant uh, the adoptive mom. So yeah, I picked them. I did not meet them during my pregnancy. Um, In the state of Georgia, at the time, um, I think now it's four days, but back then you had 10 days to change your mind. And Mm. so the agency, so that they don't create a bond that may not continue if I were to change my mind there was no meeting of the parents face to face because that would cause more grief down the line if I decided to keep my child 10 is that 10 days after giving birth or 10 days after signing away your rights 10 days after signing away the rights yeah and you know it's changed now like I said I think it's four days now but back then it was it was 10 days when I sign away my rights and we leave the hospital the my son went to it's not a foster home it's like a temporary 
like it's basically a couple that literally has been trained to take care of newborns until the 10 days have, have passed. Okay. Um, it's like transitional so care. Transitional care. Yep. That's it. So yeah, my pregnancy was for the most part alone, you know, I'm hiding it. I think I told maybe two friends because once again, I was scared and I was ashamed and all this, that, and the third. So my pregnancy was a very lonesome period. I craved Cocoa Krispies. I still love Cocoa Krispies to this day. Morning sickness for me, because every pregnancy is different, but morning sickness was a big old lie. I had morning, afternoon, <laughs> evening, period. midnight. Yes. I literally had to carry, like I would go to the grocery store and like take extra bags Oh. I remember I was in the car with my friend and we're just driving, talking, singing. And I look at her and I'm like, hey, is this bag right here trash? She was like, yeah. And I was like, Bleh. like literally, like there was no time for her to pull over. There was no time for any, had she said it wasn't trash, it was still going to be used. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think one of the royals had it. Um, but like, yeah, I when you're like really drink, sick, right? Like all yeah, the time. Yeah. I would drink water and get sick. I had sickness on the day I gave birth. I mean, it was, it yeah. was ridiculous. But I also look back fondly on my pregnancy because that was my time with my son. You know, like mm. once he was big enough to start moving, like I'd poke him, he'd kick back. Like it was, it was magical. But mm. I also think my memories are clouded with the, I know I'm not going to see him and experience growing with him. So I better enjoy this pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was more or less my, my pregnancy. And he was due in September. In August, um, I woke up thinking I had to go to the bathroom, thinking I had to poop, but nothing would come out. And I'd go and try and poop and try and poop. And I'm like, what is going on? And then it started to kind of hurt a little bit. And I'm like, I really have to poop. What is going on? No, no, I was in labor and didn't know <laughs> because, you know, everybody's pregnancy is different. And in my mind, I thought sharp shooting pain in your belly means you're in labor. And no, that is not what my contractions did. So about 10 something in the morning, I call my agency worker and I'm like, I think I'm in labor. And she's like, I'm in a meeting. How far along? And I was like, I don't really know because I just have to poop. Anywho, she comes to pick me up. Um, by the time she gets there, all of a sudden the pain has started. Like, oh yeah, this hurts. She grabs my hospital bag. We get in her car and I'm struggling. I'm screaming. She's like, why don't you roll down the window? So there's literally, I vividly remember this. We are going through the intersection. Oh my gosh. I still remember the intersection name. And we're going through this intersection. My head is out the window and I'm like, like, and I can only imagine the people that were stopped at that intersection, like, what is wrong with this girl screaming out the window? Oh, they're probably um, like, do we follow? Is she being kidnapped? Do we follow Melise? I'm so oh glad I could laugh at it now. But at the time, I mean, it was, it yeah. was, you know, so we get to the hospital at 12 noon and I'm like, hey, can I have some drugs? Can I, can I have some drugs now? Can I, can I have some drugs now? And they're like, um, he's crowning. So no, we got there at 12. He was born at 1225. Um, oh my gosh. So no meds, no nothing. It literally was, let's get her upstairs. A woman. Okay, a woman. Wow. It was an experience. Um, yeah. it to was... say the least. <laughs> 
No drugs. It was something. So because it was a, a vaginal birth, it was two days in the hospital. Had it been cesarean, I think you get like four or five days. Oh my gosh, y'all. I was delirious from the pain. After he was born, the nurses and the doctors were like, are you breastfeeding or bottle fed? And I remember looking up, I was like, neither. He's being adopted. Y'all, I, I was out of it. Okay. I had a lot of pain. Okay. All of a sudden you hear these whispers. Did y'all know he was being adopted? Did y'all know about, we didn't know, we didn't, you know, like you can hear all these whispers and I'm just like, oh, was that something I was supposed to tell? There was a lot I just didn't know or Mm. didn't even know to ask. Apparently in my birth plan that I submitted to the hospital that I was giving birth at, it should have said, you know, I was Mm. thinking because he was being adopted, he was just going to be in the nursery and a nurse approaches me and she's just like, do you want him in the room with you? And I was like, can I? You know, because I wanted to get every second of time with him. She was like, of course you can. I'm like, I really can. So they bring him in. I literally have a photo of me on the hospital phone. Um, One of my friends at the time, she's one of the ones I told, like, she was just like, I want to be in the picture. Can you hold the phone up? So like, there's a picture of me like, (laughs) you're in the picture with me and the baby. You know, something, if if you don't mind, something I want to go back to that I like that you touched on is the doctors and nurses and how important it is for them to be aware when a woman is placing a child for adoption. My mom had a bad experience as a birth mom in the hospital with a doctor being uninformed and stating their opinion. And it just shows the importance of medical professionals being educated on adoption. They have to be educated. Yes. I have heard horror stories similar to what your mom went through of, what do you mean you're going to place for adoption? You can do it. Why would you, why would you do that? Why would you give away your child? You know, and Mm -hmm. I'm grateful I didn't have that experience, but you're right. Like everybody involved in your care needs to be knowledgeable So one, that they don't put their foot in their mouth and say something Mm -hmm. that scars you the rest of your life. And two, you know, just so that everything goes seamlessly, because it's already an emotionally wrought time for the birth mom to already have plans in place. You know, like I wanted to have him with me, but there are birth moms that want to kind of cut that pain right so if a nurse would have said hey do you want the baby with you that would have caused even more pain to have to say no so yes absolutely it is very important you know i think it's interesting that either your caseworker or the agency didn't inform like the the nurse or the doctor or the hospital in my experience my doctor knew the nurses knew everyone knew what was going on Mm -hmm. so they were very sensitive to the situation with me and I, you know, didn't have to worry about, you know, whispers or being yeah. treated differently because I was making this decision. I'm sorry that that, that happened. That's Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just one of those things you don't know that you're supposed to mm-hmm. even know this. And, you know, right. it's possible that maybe policies were different. Maybe, you know, yeah. the agency wasn't allowed to even reach out to hospital. You know, I honestly mm-hmm. don't know. Right. Yeah, I, I was so appreciative when she was just like, do you want him? Can I? Oh my gosh. So we spent two days to, you know, I got to feed mm-hmm. him. And so I gave birth on a Tuesday. We left the hospital on Thursday. He went his way with the worker and I went my way. Was anyone with you um, at the hospital or was it just you? 
It was me and the caseworker. The caseworker held my leg. My parents, I did call my parent when I realized like, am I in labor? I did call my parent, but everything happened so fast. They got there after my son was born. Okay. It was kind of like my pregnancy. Like, you know, Courtney, suck it up and get this done, you know? So yeah, went home. I sobbed for hours that Thursday. Like I remember just planting face first on the bed and just sobbing. Mm. Um, Cause you know, it's, it's a loss. It's a grief. It's not yeah. death, but it's a loss nonetheless. Mm. And then a few hours later I sat up and I said, you have to move into your freshman year of college. So let's go pack. Like literally was like, all right, let's do a list of what you got to do. And on Sunday, you know, what is that? Five days later, I moved in to my residence hall for my freshman year of college. The grief process all that, although that one cry was good, that was not grieving. And so <laughs> it was a process of healing. Um, there were times where I lost my mind and I was like working out five, six hours a day. Cause you know, in college, you don't necessarily go to class. Okay. You're doing other stuff. <laughs> so, so I would be at the college gym five hours a day. I'd be like not eating because I'm just like, I can't control my feelings. Let me control my food. And thankfully, um, I was in a class my second semester of freshman year and somebody mentioned that they were seeing a therapist at the health department. And I was just like, wait, what? You know, because I grew up thinking therapy was only for rich people. Right. $200 an hour. And so when this person mentioned it, I was like, are healthy pays for this? I can get therapy for free. You know, it's not free. Yeah. I pay for it. But so I started seeing a, a therapist on campus and it was so helpful. Um, mm. I honestly think therapy should like be part of universal health care. Like everybody should yes. be a therapist because yes. it's so helpful. She helped me to realize, you know, that I was grieving because, you know, I would kind of get it in my head like, well, I made this decision. I can't be upset about it. Well, yes, you can't be upset about mm -hmm. it. Even if you feel like it's a, it's the right decision, the right thing to do, you are still entitled yep. to your emotions about it. Yep. And she, she, I saw her basically all of undergraduate off and on. She was so, so helpful. She helped me with so many issues, not just the grief right. of my child. That was definitely helpful, um, especially because I was still reeling from the negativity from people even knowing about the adoption. Like, mm. you know, the parent that raised me, I'm not going to have my blood out there. You know, you're not going to give away my grandchild. Like, you know, mm. that was negative. I was working at a bowling alley during my pregnancy. And, you know, people are intrusive with their questions sometimes, but yes. I know some books, so I'm just like, whatever. So somebody <laughs> approaches me, oh my God, what are you naming your child? At the time, I thought it was a girl. He's a boy. But at the time, the doctor was like, you're having a girl. So what are you going to name her? <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I'm actually not, you know, naming her. She's being adopted. Remember I said strangers can be inappropriate. This woman looks at me <laughs> and said, you're going to hell. Because I'm choosing adoption? And this is what she told me. She was just like, my granddaughter got pregnant at 15. We were there to support her. How can you give away your blood? And I was like, ma'am, I'm glad that your granddaughter has helped, but I don't. So yeah. everybody's experience is not the same. But yeah, I literally got told I was going to hell wow. for choosing adoption. And I'm like, really? Like, th that's really what you think. So, I mean, 
there are definitely people out there that have this negative view of adoption and these are the things you don't necessarily know going into it and that's important to state because you have it's so interesting i feel like it's like these extreme camps where you have people who are like adoption is beautiful it's great you know like why would anyone have a problem with it and then you have these other people who i mean similarly i had someone that was close to me tell me that yeah it was ungodly and not how god intended it and you know, is not what you need when you're pregnant and no. at all. Can you be supportive? Like, right. you know, I'm trying also, to Also, you're a stranger. <laughs> also, you don't know hello. who I am. So how, what, what is yeah, happening? Hello. Uh, my name's Emma. Uh, nice to meet you. Uh, hi. Uh, like, amazing how certain people see things in this world. Cause I have so many people in my life, you know, my friends and my loved ones, you know, over time have been so supportive, but all I could remember was the mm-hmm. negative stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Cause once again, when you don't feel worthy, when you don't have confidence, the people that say the negative things, that's more proof that you're yeah. not worthy. That's more mm. proof that you aren't worth anything. You know, my therapist helped me to, you know, Stop thinking about those things and think about what you know about yourself. It mm. was definitely a, a journey, okay? It, it was not an overnight thing. Um, I've never regretted it. No matter what of the three options you choose, there's going to be a journey. There's going to be pain. There's going to be joy, no matter which mm. of the three you choose. What type of adoption, like post-placement plan did you have so I have semi-open, um, 20 plus years ago, open was not like how open is now where, where, you know, so many people do open and they talk about it and, you know, it was not that way back then, but I also knew I didn't want to do closed because closed was kind of like those lifetime movies, like right. you never see the baby, you don't know the baby's name, you don't, you know. So I did semi-open and basically with our agreement was the agency was the middleman I could send letters and pictures or whatever as many times a year as I wanted. So I chose his birthday, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and the December holidays. And then his adoptive parents, their part was to send me letters and pictures about once a year, once every couple of years. So that was basically how the adoption went. You know, there would be, you know, I would always send a card um, because I was very intentional was sending a card as opposed to sending birthday gifts because I Mm. didn't ever want, like, let's say this year I'm doing well financially and I can send a $500 gift, but Mm. next year I'm struggling and eating ramen and I can only send a $2 matchbox card. I didn't ever want to think, oh, she doesn't love me anymore. She's giving me less than, you know, so I was like, you know what, Courtney, you will always be able to afford a dollar card and a stamp. So I only sent cards um, as opposed to gifts. His parents actually kept a box. And every time I sent a card, they put it in a box. He was told from a young age that he was adopted. Um, It was always part of their vocabulary, always part of the, your mommy loved you, but she couldn't, you know, take Mm -hmm. care of you. So mommy and daddy, you know, adopted Mm -hmm. you. He's always known, which... Mm -hmm is something I wanted. I, you know, when you see it in the, in the movies, like they find out when they're 50, 60 years old, like that is, 
devastating. So yeah. I wanted him to be able to know his entire life. And they actually ended up adopting more kids. So all the kids are adopted, which I think is a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. With the semi-open adoption, when he turned 18, that's when he could make the decision whether or not he wanted to have a relationship with me. He's 20. He just turned 20 last month. And while he has not made a decision, he has not chosen to have a relationship with me, I um, still have a relationship with his adoptive parents. Um, When he turned 18, his mom was like, here's my social media, here's my email. I want us to have a relationship, Um, which is so appreciative. You know, my entire, the entire time we were marching towards 18, it literally like, okay, I've got 13 more years. Okay, I've got Mm. 10 more years. You know, my entire biggest fear was, but what if he doesn't want a relationship with me? Mm. And then he turns 18 and he doesn't want a relationship with me, but you know, it didn't hurt as much as I thought it was because I made a decision for him. When I realized he was growing in my belly, I made a decision. He's 18. He absolutely gets to make decisions for his own life. And so I can't get angry at that. You know, of course I hope Like it is my fervent hope that one day I get to see his face in person again and hug him again, but it has to be on his time. Like Mm. I can't force what I want on him. Like Mm -hmm. he's a grown man that has autonomy over his, himself, just like I had autonomy over myself when I made my decision. So I just have to continue to be patient. And thankfully I have a relationship with his parents. So at least I get to see, you know, pictures like on his birthday last month, she sent me a picture at his birthday celebration. And it was just like, this beautiful child came from me. Like every time (laughs) I see him, I'm like, oh my God, he looks like me. And that's not to sound cocky. I mean, I'm cute, you know, but like (laughs) this beautiful human being. Yeah. Me, Like, Mm -hmm. it's just the coolest thing ever. So um, as I stated earlier, I have never regretted adoption. It is the best thing. One of the best things I've ever done in my entire life, you know, with the the good and the bad and the rude folks and the <laughs> inappropriate folks and the right. whispers. I didn't know this baby was being adopted. You know, all of that combined, this human being is happy, healthy, thriving, mm. and I hope to contribute to that. Wow. So yeah, I love. Wow. I mean, and I'll say, just listening to your story. And clearly you are a storyteller. (laughs) I'm just in awe because I, it's very inspiring to speak to a birth mom, you know, further down the road who is just so at peace and seems, you seem so content. You know, I think in life, we always strive to just be happy, but I mean, to be content, I think is a true, you know, goal to aim for. And you do, you seem content. And Mathani and I have said it, and it sounds like you had the fear as well that, you know, what happens when our child doesn't reciprocate, maybe Mm. that desire of a relationship and to see that, you know, that happened with you, but that's okay. And to remind us it's okay because it's up to the adoptee. It's about the adoptee. Right. You know, I made this choice for him, so he should be allowed to make a choice for him. Yeah. But you know, my contentment comes from time. I wasn't content four or five years in, you know, I was still dealing with and struggling with my feelings and also the worthiness 
came. Mm. You know, when I was in high school looking for love in all the wrong places, I didn't feel worthy. I didn't know my worth. So over the years, I've worked on it and fallen and worked on it and fallen. And yeah, so like once I got to a point where, you know, even now I still struggle with days like, am I good enough? Is this imposter syndrome? Like, you know, it's never going to be perfect, but I finally know like, oh, I'm worth something. Okay. You're going to respect me. I'm going to respect myself first and foremost. I'm going to love myself first and foremost. So no, he hasn't made a decision to see me, but that doesn't mean I'm any less than, but Mm. that took time to get there. It really did. So be patient with yourself on those bad days, on those days where you're like, did I really make a good decision? Be patient with yourself. Yeah. So when did you become more vocal about your adoption story? We'll talk about your most previous project in a little bit and what you're up to in life and all of that. But when did you begin to finally, you know, speak about things? I've been able to talk about it from jump. I have a friend now that we connected when I came back to Georgia three years ago. And he's like, the first day I met you, you talked about your adoption. Um, mm-hmm. But I was comfortable talking like one-on-one, like talking on a stage or talking in front of a group of people. Oh no, oh no, that would never <laughs> have happened. But for me, it was twofold about talking about adoption. If I hold things in, it hurts me. Mm-hmm. Like I have to get things out. I am a crier. I am like, I have to get things out. So talking about the adoption from the very beginning with people, you know, in a circle or, or, you know, people that I I was friendly with was helpful for my healing. But the second thing is, and I'm speaking from my experience, not everybody's experience, but from my experience, adoption in the Black community, from what I saw, wasn't Mm. a thing. Mm -hmm. And so... Now I'm starting to attend birth mom events and birth mom get togethers. I'm 20 years in, I'm just now attending these events and I'm one of two black girls that might be there. Like Mm -hmm. adoption affects everybody. And yet in the community that I have been raised in, adoption wasn't discussed, wasn't mentioned. And so if my story can help somebody realize, oh, okay so adoption is viable like yes yes it is so the being able to talk in front of like a group of people that just came with (laughs) so the first time I can remember talking in front of a group of people was like public speaking in my freshman year of college shaking nervous you know but afterwards oh my god you did so good I did did you not see the sweat you know and so (laughs) that kind of started to like get into my brain. Like every time I had to speak in front of a a group of people, I would get so many compliments afterwards. And I'm like, did you not see me shaking? Like (laughs) all the stuff that was going on internally, nobody else was seeing. Mm -hmm. So over time I started to realize, Courtney, you keep getting compliments about this. You keep getting compliments about your public speaking. You keep getting compliments. And so- over time, I realized that it was a, a gift. And honestly, I realized that last year, a guy came up to me. I had won um, a storytelling event 
two years ago. And last year, this guy approached me, he was at the event and he approached me last year. He's just like, why haven't you told any more stories? And I'm like, no, it's nerve wracking. I'm scared. Blow. And he's just like, you, you do know this is your gift, right? I was like, who, me? Once again, all of this is a journey and it's not like a linear thing. It's a side swipe and here over here. I'm grateful, you know, that I'm finally understanding my power and my strengths and, and, and my goodness. So I'm really glad I'm here. But like I said, it took time. But that learning of my worth, learning of my gifts helps me in my adoption journey as well. Mm. Yeah. So how do we ensure all parties of the triad, especially adoptees, feel worthy? Communication. Communication hands down and communication between the adoptive parents and the adoptee. If there's the ability to have communication between the birth moms and the adoptee and especially communication with the birth mom and the adoptive parents. Um, My worker actually had me write a journal while I was pregnant just about my thoughts and goals and hopes and dreams. And on my son's 18th birthday, his parents were like, your, your birth mom wrote this for you, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think, I hope at least, I hope that that journal communicated to him that it wasn't him. Like it wasn't a, I don't love you. You aren't enough. Mm -hmm. It's a, I love you so much. You are so much more than being homeless on a corner because I can't afford to take care of you. So I think Mm -hmm. communication is, is the biggest thing and honoring, you know, the adoptive child's wishes, you know, even Mm -hmm. if it hurts us, even if the adoptee is like, I don't want a relationship right now that might hurt us, but we all did this for the adoptee. So we have to honor and respect their wishes. But yeah, I think communication and care are the most important. You know, you can say things in a way that can be hurtful, or you can say the exact same thing in a way that is kind. Well, and like you said, I mean, you probably wouldn't have gone into storytelling if people didn't communicate and compliment and affirm you. I think we're, it's, it's odd how humans are so quick to critique and make that known but we seem so slow to affirm, you know, Mm. the people around us, that communication and care, I think is so true. And something else you said was how, you know, to not be, well, it's okay to be hurt, but you know, to not be so taken aback if the adoptee doesn't want a relationship with us. But I also think it's important for hopeful adoptive parents and adoptive parents to hear if an adoptee wants a relationship with their birth family, you know, to not take that so personal, I, you know, that's nothing again, you as a parent and how amazing you are and how loved, you know, we receive that love from all, from all areas and all people. Mm -hmm. So I love that. I love that a lot. So Courtney, you wrote a book, super exciting. Tell us about it. Um, let me give you a little rewind at how it came to be. I am an adult educator and my students are like mid twenties to forties And probably a year and a half, two years ago, we were in the middle of a lesson on self-esteem. And we're towards the end of the class and I look out probably 10, 15 students and I'm like, you know, you're worthy, right? 
and I get all these blank looks. So I, mm. I literally take a step back and I'm like, has anybody ever told you that you are worthy? Resounding no. Wow. Every person that answered was like, no. So from that point forward, I made it part of my ending of class. So I'd be like, all right, guys, mm. next week this, next week that. I love you and you're worthy. Students would literally come up to me after class because this was pre-COVID and they would hug me and be like, Miss Courtney, nobody's ever said that to me. Miss Courtney, I love the end of class where you say I love you because people don't say it to me. I mean, like, mm. oh. So I, I started in tears. I mean, you know, it, ugh, it's just these little, like you were saying earlier about kindness, like mm. if we could just be kind to each other. And so I started putting it in my emails. My coworkers all start to, you know, oh, she's, she thinks the students are worthy. She tells the students, you know, I start mm. getting emails from my students saying, I told my kids that they were worthy and we talked about it. Or I told my friends that they were worthy and they had never heard it. And now I'm just like, okay, hold up. Wow. If these 10, 15 students that it started out with, and then these other students that are reaching out to me. And the fact that I had my own issues with worthiness, clearly this is something that other people need mm. to hear. And so I started thinking, well, Courtney, all the decisions you've made in your life, you know, especially high school, were because you didn't know that you were worthy. So when would it have helped you the most? Because, yeah, it's great hearing it in your 20s, 30s, 40s. But when would it have helped you the most? And so I was like, childhood, like mm. four years old, you know, when you're reading. And so during the very beginning of the lockdown, March 14th and 15th, I had my laptop and I was at a local breakfast place using their wi-fi and i was just like well courtney why don't you just kind of type your thoughts out and just see what happens i literally wrote and found the illustrations for my children's book in those two days and then wow. i did nothing with it and i was like well <laughs> courtney you want people to know that they're worthy you want to get this out you literally in two days wrote a children's book why aren't you gonna look into publishing so i start looking into publishing and i'm like i can't afford that i can't afford that and then like serious covid happens and like people are on <laughs> lockdowns people aren't going anywhere and then we get the covid check for twelve hundred dollars and i was like well maybe maybe i'll i'll save the check and maybe i'll do it like for christmas because people can do it for christmas gifts and then I think about it another week or so. And I'm like, Courtney, the world might not exist at Christmas time. Like things are crazy. <laughs> Every day is crazy. I took some savings. I took my little COVID check and I published my book on Juneteenth. So I wrote it in March, Juneteenth. I told the world about it. Love. This is my little book. This is worthy. Oh my gosh. I'm so proud of it. People are starting to send me like pictures of their kids, you know, reading it, like pictures of them holding it, videos of them. There's a page in there that says, now tell yourself every day I am worthy. Oh, stop. Like three videos of toddlers, two, three, four years old. I am worthy. And I mm. lose it every single time. And not only, so I called it worthy, a book for kids of all ages, because 
it's not just kids that need to hear it. Yeah. I have had grown women email me and say, I cried. Because hmm. had I known I was worthy when I was younger, my life would be different. Wow. It's not a New York Times bestseller yet. Okay, yet. 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 But just getting the responses from people warms my entire soul because that was the entire pur purpose. Mm. You know, people deserve to know. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter if you're a model. It doesn't matter if you have short hair, long hair, if you're fat, skinny. You're worthy just because you mm -hmm. exist. You don't have to do anything to earn your worthiness mm. just because you are a human being on this earth. You are worthy. You deserve to be loved and you deserve to be respected. Yes. And I try to do it in, an, in a way that parents can start the conversation with their kids and older people can just, you know, hear it in a simple manner. Right. You're worthy. So, yeah. That is amazing. Wow. And it's so applicable because I mean, and we, you know, just the last question we asked about how to adoptees feel worthy, how to, you know, all parties of a triad, but I know my biggest, one of my biggest fears for my daughter is she will feel that she was unwanted, unworthy. You know, I know adoptive parents, a lot of their fears and insecurities is, you know, if the birth parents are involved, they're unworthy as parents. You know, Mathani mm. said before, you know, birth mothers are, have the fear that they are unfit or believe they're unfit, was it, which is, I feel like, just another way to say unworthy. I mean, what you are doing is phenomenal, and it's uh, yes. something that needs to be done. And I can't wait to buy a book for my daughter oh, and yes. her brothers. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Thank you. Courtney, where can people find you? So you can find me at CourtneyTierra.com my first and middle name wow. um and you can also find me on instagram and the twitters okay. at the worthy reminders we'll make sure to include um your information on our social media um when we yeah. have we're gonna at you oh yeah thank you so much <laughs> yeah i just you know people deserve to know that they're amazing mm -hmm. they do they Absolutely. do is there anything else that you would like to tell us or share or mathani do you have any more questions i don't this has been amazing i wish you looked closer so we could hang out oh my goodness look <laughs> right we can hang out we that's true. That's true. and no um, covid because i want one of your hugs i know i know <laughs> Um, I just want to say thank y'all. You know, I've been literally gushing about this interview with, with mm. my family, you know, yeah. because so many times birth moms are kind of, you know, like, thanks for what you did, but like, eh, you know, and so what you guys are doing, trying to amplify birth mothers voices and try to share with the world that hey we're people with hopes and dreams too and like we're not just defined by being a birth mom like we're whole human beings um and right. so i just think that what you guys are doing is so beautiful and so needed and i'm just so proud of y'all like i y'all have just done it big in a very short amount of time so kudos yeah, Thank I want you. you to put you in my pocket. Oh my gosh, I'm just <laughs> the worthy reminders. Get them all the time throughout the day. Oh my goodness. Yes. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we just adore your story. We adore you. We're excited to just keep following you. We can't wait to get your book. And um, 
Yeah. And for our listeners, thank you for joining us for another week, another episode of Birth Mothers Amplified. We will see you next time. Bye, y'all. Bye. Birth Mothers Amplified is brought to you by the Gladney Center for Adoption and Adoption.com. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Birth Mothers Amplified. The views expressed may not represent the views of this program or sponsors and should not substitute seeking the advice of licensed professionals. To speak with an adoption counselor, please call 1-800-236-7898. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.